Welcome to the Wine Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast that, like all of Scottish football, likes to make a statement. So far this season, we've made statements about seagulls and carrier bags, pies and rolls, Lady Gaga, road trips and linen manufacturing. We're going to get interviews with Sean Rooney, Jordan White, Carlo, Tansy and Polly. But today, for your listening pleasure, we have the long-awaited season review of the abruptly curtailed 1920 campaign. Analysis of the schism in Scottish football previewing the 2021 season, whenever it will start, and all this against the backdrop of an exclusive interview with Cali Thistle Supremo and all-round top bloke, Ross Morrison. And we'll chuck in 25 years' worth of tenuous ICT references for good measure. Let's shuffle. Well, the fairy Drakey's Hilton Milton Kinmiley's Up the Bucht, Belfield Park, in the islands after dark Doors in, Charleston, Swift and Bullock, Culloden Down the Longman, in the rain, Feely Metal, Greg Denny Inverness, what the hell, how you doing, no barter sell For shitty weather, drugs and pissness, Inverness is a fucking business what did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it. Welcome, as usual, I'm Andrew Moffat and today we'll be making statements. Uh, with me today for the season preview, review, lockdown, interview, pod hybrid is a man who makes a statement every time he walks into a crowded working class boozer and asks for a dark fruit, Mr Andrew Sutherland. Hello. Uh, a man who will only make a statement if it includes a reference to a piece of classic literary fiction, Mr. Andrew Young. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, a man whose very, very overly tight leggings are themselves a statement, <laughs> Riley. Uh, hello. And a man who cannot make a statement without the word. Making a triumphant return to the pod, Mr. Ross McKenzie. How you doing? Right. Um, okay, so we'll speak to Ross Morrison and cover the boardroom events over the last month in a few minutes. Uh, but first, we're going to take a little bit of time to look back on the season. Um, this is a section that I've called, we used to talk about a thing called football. We've covered every single game in our previous pod- podcast, from defeat in Tannadice Street to kick off the league season. We had a six-game uh, unbeaten run, 11 clean sheets, results in Dunfermline, Dumfries, Alouette, Dundee, and we've covered the Challenge, the League and the Scottish Cups. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick the bones out of that and we're going to pick one or two things that have stood out for us. So I'll kick off with Riley. What has been your Cali climax of the season, Riley? I'll thank, I'll thank Shorty for Shorty for me, boys. I think Rooney's been the, I don't know, the average player last season that's turned into be a god for the fans this year, mate. He's... Uh, his goals, his assists, um, yeah, all things Sean Rooney for me this season has been my my highlight of the season. What about you, Ay? Highlight. Um, I was thinking about this, and actually, probably on the basis that football is as much about the friendship and the whole day experience and all that. And funnily enough, what sticks out is Alawa. Probably all of the trips to Alawa, but particularly that two nil one in November. There was just something about that day, and it was a really really nice day. We recorded the podcast that day, I think upstairs in that kind of bizarre little Wild West bar opposite the weather spoons. It was a really good crack and it was a really nice, nice, bright, frosty day and we totally got away with a penalty shout at the start of the game. I took over and it was just it was just a really, really good day out. So that's probably my highlight. So? I think for me, I think the improvement of um, 
David Carson as the season's gone on has been pretty good. Um, he was abused by some of our fans in the first game of the season um, against Dundee United. When he was played out of position, yeah, he had a bit of a, a shocker, but it's not his fault he was having to play right back. But as the season's gone on, when he's been playing more in centre midfield, he's looked a lot stronger, showing real tenacity in there and um, does a lot of the dirty work and leaves the kind of creative stuff to your Doran or Keaton's type players. And obviously, you know, it might not be in the same physical mould as uh, Ross Draper. Um, maybe going forward, he could be a similar kind of midfield destroyer for us uh, next season, whenever that may be. Ross? Yeah, I'm going for the cup win over Livy, which I don't think really got the recognition it deserved. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but it was it was a massive statement, you know, to once again make clear that we basically are the Scottish Cup and it would be nothing without us um, and that we're responsible, maintained our record of us being responsible for, I think, about 99% of all 21st century Scottish Cup upsets. <laughs> yeah, a rare, a rare sighting for the lesser spotted Sean Welsh as well in that game. Well, he was brilliant. He was, yeah, he was. That segues quite nicely into my one. My one, I think, it was I don't, quite, there's a few highlights, actually. It's been a pretty good season. Um, you know, second in the league, done well in the Cups. But uh, I really enjoyed the midweek trip to Dumfries, uh, the Billy Houliston Lounge. Um, I've not been there in a long, long time, so it was a really good, a really good, um, really good atmosphere. Midweek under the floodlights and, and uh, the, the bars that one these ones with old uh, scarves and stuff in. So... I'm really is that the little supporters bar like inside the main stand, yeah? Yeah, it is. Right. Really yeah. I'm really looking forward yeah. to going there again next season. But probably I think the highlight is um although we got pumped, the the support we had at the Hibs game, I think I've talked about that in a pod yeah. a couple of pods mm-hmm. back. And um, you know, there's guys there I've not seen in, in years um at the game. Really taking good. over the Iona. Yeah, the young team was out in force, so taking over the Iona. Um it was brilliant. It's it's all it's exactly what we need next season. Um yeah, we, want, we need all the young guys coming. We need all the Laps fans coming. So I think if we can get that next season, you know, we'd have some fantastic away days and hopefully the guys start going to the home games as well. Um, did anyone have anyone else? I think, um, well, Ross mentioned the, the Scottish Cup. Um, the Alloa Scottish Cup game was really good as well, mainly for a lot of the reasons you just said as well, Moff, like a good away support, uh, drinking the Thistle Bar, I think we were all in, dry before the game. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Good, good away support behind the goals, especially in the uh, the second half. Um, you know, had Trafford uh, scoring the winner and running to celebrate with the fans, which uh, you know obviously they always appreciate, especially after um, drinking themselves silly before the game and stuff. And uh, yeah, no, it was just it was just great to see the players celebrate with the fans. It uh, doesn't happen too often these days, unfortunately, but it was a nice thing to happen. It doesn't uh, happen too often, like I say. Yeah, and a little uh, special uh, mention to my little friend Neil Parry as well. Aloha, uh, uh, hope he's doing well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I am disappointed I, I, that I missed that game. Right, okay. okay, right, let's go on to our awards. Um, we're going to talk about goal of the season, play of the year. I think we're all going to mention a goal, and then we might put it on Twitter for people to vote for. Um, goal of the season, uh, I'll, I'll kick off with one that we haven't talked about on our group chat. Uh, Todorov against Morton, 7th of September, we won 3-1. He gets the ball from Keatings, he's just inside the box, takes a touch, curls it in the top corner. It's, it's pure techers. That's my choice. That's a good shout, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think I remember actually um, saying that um, Todorov would not be very good at the start of the season and a little bit concerned we had signed someone who had, um, like, basically couldn't get into the worst Falkirk team in living memory and then he goes and does that. So if he can do that next season, I'd be pretty chuffed. Um, I'm going to go with uh, back to October and the 2 0 draw with Aloha and Carl Tremargo's goal. Um, which was he that was taking a, he was taking a corner for some reason I think but obviously Walsh and Doran must have both been out so Carlos taking the corner 
Um, Rooney's been manhandled to the ground. Um, I, I mean, it is, it is a, it's a stick-on penalty. Um, but as he's, as he's fallen, Rooney actually plays a really cute side-footed pass back out of Carlo, who's sprinting in towards the box. And from the side of the box, from a fairly acute angle, he just arrows in the top corner. Really surprising and brilliant goal from Carl Tramarco. Well, I'll go for Rooney's goal against Ayr, which I think uh, Mary Hill might echo as well. Uh, Cole Donaldson gets the ball. I think he, I think he launches up the park, but he'll say it's a pinpoint pass to Rooney, who's probably around about 40 yards by this point. Uh, took the defender on, put it through his legs, if I remember correctly, and then rode into the box and side-footed it past Ross Dewan for a composed finish. And uh, yeah, Q, Marek scenes in the end after that. Celebrated with Pikachu as well, didn't he? Pikachu was there, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then also really celebration at the end as well, knowing what he's went through this year was yeah. Was even you got some so. abuse off. Did you know, was that the game you got some abuse off the air fans as well? Yeah, said yeah, he, 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 gave, he gave us a selfie, didn't he? he took Moss phone and uh, oh yeah, do a selfie with the away fans. So. That, that was that was the day he did get abuse off the away fans, and then wouldn't you know what? A tabloid newspaper reports that it was Cali Thistle fans that. Um, Gave him abuse, so they're mis- same, same mis- newspaper uh, uh, already misrepresented by the same newspaper we've been misrepresented by this week already. Yep. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, next, uh, for me, I think um, Doran one of the uh, goals against um, Alloa that he scored this season. I think it was a two 0 game back in November or something like that. Um, we already won a lot after that. Um, so it's Scott Taggart hilarious own goal, um, but then. A few minutes later, Rooney launches the ball into the box. White knocks it down. It sits up at a um, slightly difficult height for Doran as he's really running onto it. So he has to kind of adjust um, adjust the speed of his run and kind of get his foot up and over the ball to strike it. But once he does, it was such a beautifully clean hit. It was one of those ones that he just knew that it was going to go in the back of the net as soon as he hit it. And um, yeah, did. And that was a, a really convincing win against a, a pretty difficult opponent for us uh, last season. Yeah, I mean, Steve and Ross have already covered the two my two favourite goals of the season. So, just as a wee sort of outlier there, I'm going to mention Sean Welsh's penalty winner against Dunfermline. Um, partly because it was Welsh coming back into the team, you know, and we all love him. We wish he was able to kind of like put a really good run together for us. Partly because it was conceded by Danny Devine, which always adds a sort of savoury aspect. <laughs> and partly because it gave us a, a 1-0 win after a really horrible kind of windswept game of punts that was looking like nil-nil all the way through. So it was an important game, a goal, uh, if not a spectacular one. Right, so we'll put all those on Twitter, uh, we'll get everyone to vote for them, and then we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll give out some award, some sort of award, will we? I don't know. Uh, right. And we'll also do the same for Player of the Year. Um, everybody should have a... Uh, the choice of player of the year and uh, we'll try and do a de- democratic process and we'll pick one uh, I was looking at the squad yesterday I was looking at the players that are left uh, and I thought do you know what I'm going to go with this guy uh, I'm going to go with uh, Carl Tremarco not because he was on the pod but because he was the only consistent performer who hasn't chosen to fuck off he's been told to fuck off so who have you got? Good point hey, I went for oh, the man the white cafu Mr Rooney I think um, as I said earlier I think Rooney's performances last year, some were good, but probably probably average last year, but the difference he's made this season in terms of coming back, had that injury at the start of the season as well against Elgin and the friendly, in fact, no, against Aberdeen at Elgin, and uh, his goals, his assists, his defensive work's been a lot better this year, and uh, I think he's been the catalyst for a lot of our, our big performances this season. 
Ay, who have you got? Yeah, I just want to echo that. I've gone for Rooney as well. I just couldn't pick anyone else above him. Um, I think I said earlier in the season on a pod that you know we needed a player who had the potential to become a kind of a folk hero. And he was a guy that comes in in a period when there's a lot of flux in the club. He gives 100% every game. He drives at opponents and scares the shit out of them. He's prepared to get stuck into one of our biggest rivals players and defensive his mate. Um, and it, he's obviously not going to be a kind of a real folk hero for us because he's going. But I think we'll all look back and fondly. And if he'd stayed, he could have been, you know, a, a kind of a totally tight figure for us. You know, great player and a great season. Um, my instinct was to also to say Rooney, but I mean we can't all just sit here and go on about Sean Rooney or Pod. So I kind of looked at the squad and decided I decided to choose Jordan White and make an argument for him. But as I was putting the argument together, I basically convinced myself. I think Jordan White was our Player of the Year. He was our most effective player, and that is our best player. He's not flashy. Um, he's definitely ungainly. Um, but. 10 goals and 25 starts. That figure wasn't inflated by bottom feeding like last season's tally. Um, you know, he scored important goals. I think you quite often see Robbo in post-match interviews feeling the need almost apologetically to explain to Cali fans that Jordan White gets us up the park. I, I went through a period of, of denying this because when you hear the phrase, get us up the park, you think of a big striker dropping deep, spreading the ball out wide before turning his heels and sprinting into the box to wait for a cross. And that's not Jordan White. He's not, he's not Olivier Giroud, although I'd argue um, that he's just as sexy. Um, Jordan White gets us up the park in a different way. You know, he doesn't just bully centre-halves. He bullies defensive midfielders. He bullies full-backs, which is a, is a testament to his work rate. And I've got a feeling that um, if we did actually track our players with GPS then Jordan White would come out top in terms of distance covered each week. I also wonder if he'd come up on top if we had those stats as most fouled player. He wins loads of free kicks, you know, which does literally get you up the park because it gives you the opportunity you know, to get defenders up, pump the ball into the box, uh, only half the time for White to miss times jump and sclaff a header 20 yards wide, but you can't have it all, can you? Sov, who have you got? Um... Rooney, Rooney's obviously like a, a potential pick for me, but I actually went with Jamie McCart, uh, even though he left at the end of this, uh, end of January. Um, I think he's only had maybe one or two wobbles um, this season. Both him and Donaldson looked a bit ropey in the game against Peterhead, but they quickly settled back into their kind of like um, defensive um, partnership of the previous season. Um, he did make him stay in his party that cost us a goal, but apart from that, he's been really, really solid this season. And I think for a, such a young centre-back, his timing in the challenging reading of the game is superb and I think that's kind of backed up by the fact the guy's only had one yellow card all season for us um, which kind of shows how good he is um, um, at the back and I think um, apart from those couple of errors he's been a solid kind of like 8 out of 10 player for us easily every week and it was really really horrible to see the guy go to St Johnson for well buttons basically so I think just for sheer consistency uh, McCart gets my vote Right, so those are our awardees, but what would have happened if we'd finished the season? We've consulted the brand seer, and he's communicated through his matted beard that we would have pumped Wraith 4-0 in the Tunnet Cup final, with John Baird being sent off midway through the first half for obscene gestures to Robbo. Uh, we would have finally scalped United uh, up the road. Partick beat us 3-1 again, but we still made the playoffs, beating Dundee 2-0 in both legs of the semi, courtesy of uh, jo- two Josh Meetings on goals. Then the playoff final sees his face-off against Hamilton, and we turn around a 3-1 deficit on a last-minute strike to make it 4-3 and return us to the promised land. And that is an alternate reality where someone with a rumbly tummy in China doesn't eat a bat. 
Right, coming up next, an exclusive interview with Ross Morrison as he talks about his younger days, becoming chairman and the issues that have engulfed Scottish football. No you rubber bumpers! Chairman, Mr. Ross Morrison, how you doing, Ross? No bad, yourself. Uh, Ross, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you've obviously got a lot of free time at the moment. Uh, not much to think about. <laughs> There's uh, one or two things that we're not right enough, man. Before we do that, though, um, we, you know, we've had a few chairmen in the last in the last week while, so you know, a lot of fans will, will wonder, you know, who is Ross Morrison? People usually suspect football chairman of in it for some ulterior motive of not having much interest in football. Maybe they're a maybe they're a Saudi prince with a poor track record in human rights, or a communist party Chinese businessman operating some sort of state orchestrated soft power strategy. But you're not a Saudi prince, are you? You from Inverness? No, no, I'm not. Well, uh, I I was I was brought up, uh, born in Glasgow, in the Gorbals of Glasgow, went to Aberdeen, and then Inverness uh, when I was in primary two. Went to Baloch Primary and then I went to Central after that. And did you move away from Inverness after that? I went up to Wick. I did, uh, I did my. I did, I can't. What'd, you, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> well, I didn't have an awful lot of choice. I think I was 12 at the time, so it was either that or stay, stay in uh, Fairfield Road run by my own, on my own. Um, <laughs> no, that, that was uh, Wick after that. And then down to the. Uh, it gets worse, didn't it, Dundee after that? <laughs> <laughs> so that's your early connection to the city. How did you come about supporting Cali Thistle? Mm. Well, um, I started supporting. I've just brought with me because my mother found it, and you'll you can see this. This is my Inverness Thistle Boys Club membership card from oh. 1976, 77. So that's I started watching. I started going to Kings Mills many, many moons ago, uh, and that was the start of it. So that's it, the start. Um, so you're appointed to the board, I think, in July 2018. You became vice chairman in February 2019, and then you've, you've quickly made the move to chairman. Were you, were you involved with the with the club in some capacity before that? I was. I knew um, a lot of the directors from from years and years and years ago. Um, I've known, for instance, David Sutherland since I think I was a six or seven year old. David Sutherland used to work with my dad in the Highlands and Islands Development Board, which is where um, Johnny Foxes is now. That yeah. was the HIDV yeah. building. Yeah. So, um, I, so I would meet him and maybe go to the boardroom now and again, or new a new Kenny through there, um, and then I was made, I was put on as a director of the uh, the community trust a few years before that. Um, so, it, you know, I just gradually, it's it just gradually got got into Cali Thistle. So before you became the the big man, the gaffer at the stadium. I think in the space of two two years, we had three chairmen. We had Kenny Cameron. We had Willie Finlayson for a short time. Yeah. We had Graham Ray. Were you? Were you? I don't know if you've seen Game of Thrones, but were you quietly waiting in the <laughs> waiting in the wings like uh, Bran Stark or Littlefinger, ready to Absol- sing? Listen, absolutely. Either that, or it was a game of musical chairs, and I lost. I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a. You know what? It was a. If you never get to play. For your team, and I, I am the most enthusiastic footballer you've ever seen in your life. But what God gave me enthusiasm, He took away with with skill. Um, <laughs> and if you never get to play for your team, to be the chairman of your of your football club is is just a fantastic honour. It's tremendous to be. I mean, as a, as the boys have seen before, I've got my tattoo on my my left shoulder of ICTFC. It's ingrained in me. 
it is. It's in. It's in my heart. It's in my soul. Everything about it is ICTFC. Fucking love yeah. it. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit about finances. Um, the many of the issues that you've had to deal with since you be, since you came on the board and since you became chairman is pretty well documented. What What's been the biggest challenge? Is it presumably it was the same. Um, this financial issue and this this lack of cash flow I think that you've mentioned before well the the you see the problem with it is when I became chairman um before that we took on Scott and we took on Scott because I I, I, I think identified and I was speaking to Scott I, I lied through my teeth to get Scott up I told him it was it was not a problem up here everything was wonderful and the garden was rosy so to, because I knew that we needed somebody that knew football inside out and he does know football inside it. So he was one of the best signings I think we've ever made. And once we got him on board, we had a, a, bit, a better foundation of knowledge on how things work. Because, you know, you can, you can do things with business like you're good at doing X, Y, and Z. But when you go into something new, you're, you're an amateur. And with something so important as ICT, it, we, we, couldn't have, we couldn't afford to have amateurs on it. So we had to take somebody on like, like Scott. And... Then when I became chairman, what I decided to do was, was to, because people have this idea that because you're a professional football club, you've got loads of dosh, like Manchester City or Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and we don't. So I thought the best thing to do is get out there and tell folk, no whisper it, shout loudly, listen lads, we need dosh, because if we don't have dosh, we don't have it, we will go out of business. And I always feel it's better to be honest right up front with bad news as it is to be with good news. Because if you were, if we long down the pan in January or February this year, because I didn't go and tell folk a wee while ago that we had a problem, I wouldn't have been doing my job right. And I, I would have failed Cali Thistle. And so I did it and we got the dosh in um, and we survived it and we're still here. And that's the most important thing. There's, there's many loads of plans for, for, for years in the future, but it's to keeping it going for two, three, and six months is, is the most important thing. Because it's football, and football's, you know, in, 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 from business, it's a complete disaster area for most things. Absolutely. Look at, a, look at any of the clubs. See, t- tell me it's ones that are making money. There's not many of them. How, how important is that support and engagement with, you know, not just one type of Inverness fan, not just the boardroom, but from the families, the older supporters, the young guys. How important is that engagement across those age groups? Absolutely, 100%. It's tremendous. If... If I could get away with it most of the time, I wouldn't go to boardrooms. I would go in with the fans because it's far better crack. Because football's about crack. Football's about socialising with your pals. It's no about, you know, it's like going to a pub. Going to a pub is no about drinking. Going to a pub is about socialising and drinking after that. It's with it. And it's socialising with football is socialising with your pals, getting the crack, watching your team, getting in, shouting, screaming, getting stuff off your chest, etc., etc. So... All the fans, it's great fun. I love it. Um, and I like going to the, for it. I wish I could drink a wee bit more and, and no have to drive now and again because I kind of mm. get a better crack. And that's where the, 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 even after the Arbroath game it was good, even before we got humped, which I really, really was very, very unhappy about. Um, you remember? Oh, God, I hate mm. that game. I really hate it. But anyway, um, so no, it's very important. Very mm. important. Well, talk, just going back a little bit to talk about the raising funds. Um, a lot of people helped out with small donations, big donations and whatnot, mm. but a lot of clubs in Scotland, um, they have a, a lot of them have a fan funding model um, mm. on which they're running and in turn they, they have supportive representation on boards. Is that something mm. that you might consider in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. I, 
I would have liked to, when I first came on the board, I suggested we try and do this thing like, you know, the, the foundation of hearts, but I didn't get a hell of a lot of um, enthusiasm for it. It was like a kind of thing, well, we're too weak to do that. But, <coughs> you know, hearts are, hearts are bigger than us, but hearts are smaller than Celtic, and Celtic are smaller than Man United, and Man United are smaller than whoever. So it's, it's all about zeros, you know. Oh, it's a ratio, isn't it? Yeah, fans to, it's exactly, to spend. It's exactly what it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, every pound is a prisoner with us and we need to get more money in and we need to get more money in one through the gates but also in, in, in other forms to support the team. Mm -hmm. We've got to be positive and, and look up the way. We've got a fabulous stadium with a fabulous site with all the car parking and a great tune. I mean, things are bad just now because of COVID-19 but I'm telling you, well, there's, there's people a lot worse off than us. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got to look on the positive side. Okay, we're maybe in the championship again this year but, you know, Rob was a brilliant manager. We've got the best chief executive, certainly in the league by far. We've got a great new uh, commercial manager coming on board. So things are getting better and better. And we have other plans, for, which I'm sure you'll we'll, we'll tell you a bit later on. But, you know, it, it, if we're no positive, we may as well gee up. And I'm not geeing up on ICT. Absolutely refuse. Okay, right, um, let's talk about the current predicament in Scottish football. Right, trying to do research for this was essentially like catching ferrets in a sock. Everything was constantly moving and I, I, could, I struggled to get a handle on this for the research. So uh, bear with me and either of you interject if I get something wrong. So uh, summarising, in the last month we've seen the ill-fated boat into ending the season, the fallout with our own Scott Gardner and John Nels of Dundee, accusations of threats of bullying by people, the conflation of league reconstruction with advancement of final season placing payments, and all this played out live on BBC Radio Scotland's Sports Sound programme and on Twitter every single day for the past five weeks. This would be difficult to deal with in normal circumstances, Ross, but against the backdrop of the pandemic and lockdown, how much has this exacerbated circumstances? Well, you see, the first thing was it was kicked off badly. And if you look at how it was done, was it, it was fatally flawed. You put a resolution to 42 clubs or the clubs in the, the lower leagues to kick off with. The resolution stated that it'd be one up, one down, and, you've, and you, then you get your money, you get your final placings money. Now, that's fatally flawed. And what I said, on, I said on the Wednesday, they said, any questions when they put that forward? I says, I says well, look, I says, what else can we do? Oh, well, we've, we've written this and it's got to be done this and it's got to be that. I says, well, can we not split them? And we get money here and then chat, chat about how we're going to go forward from there. And there was a sort of general sort of, no, you can't do that. And the 28 days that you've got to vote, but well, we need it down and sort of, we need it now by Friday afternoon at five o'clock. And you were therefore putting a, one, a gun to people's head to vote the way that they wanted you to vote. And it was like, it's, 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 um, you're under duress. You're under financial duress because there was boys are hurting. And what Scott says that we weren't on our knees, but we're certainly on one knee at the time. So we couldn't bugger about and, and wait and wait and wait. And again, why should we? Because the money was there in the bank accounts, so they could have given us the money, and then we could have discussed what to do with this, the other bit of the resolution. So that was the fatal flaw in it. And, you know, the, 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 the back and forward and the back and forward from, from there uh, after that, the last two days, was, was, was laughable. Absolutely laughable. I mean, it, it was very, very badly done. And... 
we we got we we our decision at the start was that we would not vote to to uh, lessen a, another club, as in Partick Thistle, who were who shouldn't have had to go down because you know they, we forced them to go down by voting the way that they did. We're forcing Hearts to go down, and these these clubs are going to suffer, and we've chosen for them to suffer, and we didn't feel that that was right. And all the time that well, that's what, that's the way that we've always put things. We do not want to vote for these clubs to be uh, financially hurt when they don't really have to be. And that's the way we've kept our line all the time, Not, never deviated. And at that point, was there still a possibility that league reconstruction might be on the table? At that point, and they, at the start, of there was, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so voting no to the proposal was, was both in our best interests, but also at the the interests of Scottish football? I felt it was in the, in the best interest of Scottish football insofar as that we would have voted to, 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 to stop things, to stop uh, Hearts getting relegated and Partick Thistle and Stranraer getting relegated because at that point in time, I didn't think they had to be relegated. We had to speak about things. It may have come in a month or six weeks or X, Y, Z of people sitting down and chatting about it that that, that may have been the only way. But why should we have to get a gun to our head and say, well, if you don't vote now, Jesus, you've got to vote now, you've got to vote now, you've got to vote now. We didn't have to vote now to, to do that. We had to vote to get our money. Yeah, give us our money and then let's chat about it. I mean, yep. so that was the way. It, they could not be, they, they should have been separated, the two things. So in the last few days, um, the SPFL EGM has just taken place and they've, they voted against an external inquiry in, into everything. I think nine championship clubs have voted um, against there being an inquiry and one voted for there being an inquiry. On the proviso that Partick Thistle were included in the mm. League One group, um, mm. would you want to comment on how we voted? It was us. We voted. <laughs> yeah. We voted for, for the inquiry, yeah. Mm. So we're the, we're, the, we're the only club in the championship to vote for the inquiry to look into due diligence about who's looking after Scottish football. Yeah. Yeah. How how do you feel? How do you feel about that? That the championship clubs not supporting you in that? Well, it's up to them the way they want. You know, the 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 way they want to vote. It's entirely up to themselves. I just didn't. I, I just didn't feel from the start that it was it was it still got that fatally flawed bit. It hasn't been done right, and and it's you know all this arguing has been done because of it. It was fatally flawed at the start. So if they'd done it in a in a in a more sort of relaxed manner to get one the money out and then discuss it, this would not have been such a complete, it's a burach of a thing, a complete bloody burach. It is. So there was also a reference made to a counter-proposal put forward by Callie Thistle uh, directly in a certain newspaper of which I won't mention the name of. Um, there was an initial story, then there was a follow-up story by the Morton CEO, and he had suggested that we had um, put forward a resolution um, for it to be null and void for the season. Now, I believe that you would refute that. <laughs> uh, you know, I woke up in the morning, and was it was a couple of days ago, and I woke up and I got this thing from Scott. I'm going, what the, what the fuck is this? <laughs> the, we were working on a resolution with, it was put forward by Rangers and Hart, no, Rangers and then Hearts and ourselves countersigned it. And that resolution was to allow monies to be drawn by the to the clubs by the spfl to let us have some money and then 
uh, go and discuss this resolution. So that was that was the resolution that was being discussed on Thursday. The lad uh, from Morton phoned Scott, and Scott informed him of that resolution, that Rangers resolution, with Hearts um, to allow the clubs to draw funds that were essentially theirs. That was the resolution. Absolutely bugger all to do with uh, null and void. I mean, really, why would we want to null and void the league? I've got, I've got text messages to Mal Brannigan after the Friday congratulating um, Dundee United on getting their championships. Dundee United always had to get up. No. Celtic have to win the championship. That's the way I'm afraid it is. But why then should other... Because that, they deserve it. Why then should other people um, be, be financially hurt, though? That's the, that's the, the issue. Not, not them getting their championships because they deserve it. But the financially people getting financially hurt, that's the issue. So no, we did not want to null and void. There was another team that wanted no up and no down, yeah, a championship team. And I said on the Zoom call, I said, that doesn't work. It cannot work. Mm. Can work. Would, you, would, would you look to that newspaper to print a retraction? I mean... <sighs> It, it, it's nonsensical. I mean, surely they'd have thought, no, that cannot be. Why would we vote for that? <laughs> it's just... Yeah, baffles me. It baffles me completely. Hans Christian Andersen, that's the worst fairy story since the Hans Christian Andersen went on the pension. It's a fucking... <laughs> I've, I've, I'm in one of your pubs, Ross, right? And I've, I've shouted over in front of everyone else, in front of a pub, I've shouted at you, and I've shouted to you that you are being aggressive and confrontational. In no way. I, at no point was I aggressive to anyone on there. Not at all. Not at all. But we, we, we did get phoned. And um, I felt it was a financial threat um, to, to our club, um, to which I texted a message back and said that um, if, if a financial threat like that was to put towards the club again, I would suggest it was done in writing. Because it wasn't right the way it was done. And just before, just before a just before a vote, a crucial vote. No. And then John Nelms from, uh, as, as it's been, I'm not giving secrets out of the bag because somebody went and, um, and leaked the WhatsApp group that we had. And John Nelms had brought up at, I think about two o'clock, I am being threatened by a certain person. And I just immediately put back, I've just had the same phone call. These are all recriminations that are, I mean, do you think these are going to come up and affect affect the season when it, when it eventually happens in terms of relationships with other clubs? I don't know. I hope not. I mean, it, it's, once it's done and dusted, it's all water on the bridge. You can do bugger all about it. So you would hope not. I mean, I'm quite happy to, to shake anybody's hand and say, right, well, finished. That's it, done and dusted. But, it, you know, it, again, you go back to the fact that if they hadn't, if they hadn't done it the way they, di they did it to kick off with, we'd never go into this situation. So I do blame, I blame the SPF for doing it, SPFL for doing it this way. It was wrong. I blame the SPFL for doing it this way. It was wrong. His exact words there. A lot of food for thought. Um, it's clear that, you know, from that, Neil Doncaster is about as qualified to run the Football League as um, Matt Hancock is the NHS. What's your takeaway from this, AY? 
when you hear him describe that Wednesday and what was presented to them, he did it so well and so plainly that it was clear that we had really valid points to make about the chaotic nature of the proposal, the way it was presented, the fact that they were completely intransigent about considering alternatives and, and they just gave us no time. And we had every right to make the complaints we did. The one thing I would say about it, though, is that I wish the statement that we released on Sunday after reconstruction had basically been put to bed had been as clear and as simple and as plain as Scott, as uh, sorry, um, the chairman Ross Morrison was there. Um, I just don't think a club is ever going to be well served by language and a statement that's really sort of overwrought. You know, we understand that we're frustrated and we're angry, but we should know now by listening to these sort of um, ranger statements that come out that um, seem to be dictated from the you know the cross of their own martyrdom that immediately supporters jump on that and they just pick up on the statement and start to ridicule the club and don't actually think about you know the content and what's underlying it and i think that's happened a bit if we'd been much simpler much more concise avoided any suggestion of making accusations even veiled accusations then i think we'd have got more sort of sympathy and more and um, more respect for what we were saying than we ended up getting. Yeah, I, I agree with what Ay saying there. Um, I think um, what what Ross gave us was a nice, clear denial of um, the suggestion that we'd supported null and void. Absolutely clear, which is exactly what I needed to hear after the record story uh, that came out. Um, he also gave a strong denial of any aggressive behaviour, which I find really convincing given when you hear the guy and how he's conducted himself in that interview. He seems completely sound and he seems absolutely comfortable in his description of events. His description of the voting process um, was consistent with what we've heard from uh, Scott Gardner. Um, neither of them will admit that the position that they took was one of self-interest. They both seem to be insisting that they were looking out for relegated teams. But as, as a fan, I don't give a fuck about Park Thistle. You know, I, I wanted them both to be out there trying to do everything they could to get us promoted. And it sounds like they were, so happy enough with that. What do you think about his um, comment that, you know, well, he has admitted that we were the only club in the championship to vote for the inquiry. Do you think it's surprising, Sub, that um, other clubs would not have voted for that? <laughs> Not, not overly. I mean, I think you could probably predict that was going to come given the way that the you know, last few days kind of panned out. Um, I think I, I kind of I, I, I pretty much fully agree with what <clears throat> Andrew Young was saying there. Um, and I think, to be honest, is there really anything that could have um, not been gained from having an inquiry, really? I mean, you know, if people if if, if some teams yeah, you can say it's a minority, but if what was it, uh, was it like a third or whatever of um, teams in, in Scotland don't seem to have any faith in, in the, the leadership of the SPFL, then that's something that needs to be sorted out. And just continuing to kind of kick the can down the road and putting it off until a later date, that's not going to help. I mean, th- th- this was, there's not going to be any football for any, t- any, <clears throat> any time soon, is there? So why not take the time to have some kind of inquiry to, to try and sort these issues out? Yeah, exactly. I would suggest that you know, these um, accusations of, you know, threatening behaviour and whatnot, um, there has been threatening behaviour uh, and it's been on the part of other chairmen or one specific chairman. And I think everybody probably knows who he is, but we're not going to mention it on this podcast. It's, it's slanderous. So having talked to an Aloha fan yesterday and I asked him, you know, why did your club vote not to not have an inquiry? What do you think about that? Do you, do you think that's right, right and just? And he suggested that them being a part-time club as well, they wanted to focus on, you know, 
keeping their club solvent, keeping their club alive at the moment, and those are the main things they want to sort sort out. And I think if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the fact that clubs are trying to keep themselves alive, then we would be having an inquiry. You would have seen a lot more clubs voting for it. Uh, and this aggressive and threatening behaviour on the part of one specific championship chairman would be called out and it would be getting investigated. What do you think about that? I agree with that completely. Um, yeah. I think that there's a sort of a short-term attitude, which, as you pointed out, especially in the part of clubs like Kalawa, is it's completely understandable. But um, you almost get the feeling that they were just going, all right, well, it's all settled now, so let's just... Um, brush the longer term potential consequences when a situation like like this comes up again under the carpet and we'll deal with that when it comes up, you know, because we, we've all got to just get on with our, you know, the day-to-day business of clubs. But you think, God, you know, are we just going to get badly made decisions on the hoof after badly made decisions on the hoof and, you know, clubs being, um, and I'm not really talking about us here at all, I'm talking more about, you know, with Partick in particular, I feel particular sympathy for, um, you know, being kind of uh, disadvantaged because of policy made quickly and with no consistency, you know. And I think that's the reason that an investigation should have been supported and that the club should have, you know, put whatever grievances they had with each other aside um, and just gone with the investigation because we need to kind of get some sort of um, stronger... Well, let's let's talk about these grievances, um, Riley. We talked to the chairman about recriminations. He talked about shaking people's hands next season when it all kicks off. Um, obviously, you know, chairman are going to say that. They have to say that. Do you think there's going to be a lot of acrimony and recriminations when these guys meet up again, eventually? You like, you like to hope not, but you never know. I mean, people are pretty fickle. I mean, imagine if we weren't second, though. Would we want to have an investigation? Would we? I, I think it's all down to, again, what I think um, Ross was saying before. Everyone's looking after their own, their own self-interest. And I think teams like Alloa and Fairland, these teams that didn't vote or didn't want to vote, because we're not sitting in the league, we, we also want to look at it and go, we, we want to get promoted. So next season when Ross Morrison has been at a lot of these boardrooms, of course there's going to be a lot of, I'd imagine, some bad air. And it might take a couple of months for that uh, subsides, you never know. Well, let's move on a little bit. Um, the chairman also talked about you know how he became chairman, but he also talked about finances uh, and about you know him and Scott Garner going out there and trying to get money from the local community to keep the club going. Um, he said it was better to be to better to be as honest with bad news as it is with good. Do you think it was um, right for him to shout, "We have no cash"? Because uh, a lot of chairmen might not have done that, Ross. I said it at the time. I thought I was a bit embarrassed by it because I didn't think we were in as severe a situation as people were making out. I mean, Hearts were talking about doing a, coll- a bucket collection at a game and stuff for us. Um, as much as I'm happy to fleece Jambos, um, it was slightly uh, embarrassing, but. Um, I think it, it, the way he described it, it did sound like it was motivated by honesty, by being up front. Um, and it was, a, it was clearly a period of change in the club. I thought what was most striking towards the end of that part of the interview was how often he used the word ma- amateurs and described himself as an amateur and talked about the necessity of getting Scott Gardner in, saying once we got him on board, we had a better foundation of how things work. But that really brought home probably just how inexperienced the Ray administration was and you know how little it knew about how to run a football club. So he's stepped in, Gardner's come in, and they've, you know, they've decided to really try and make things happen. So that, 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 that's how we ended up with the EGM, I think. And we are, we, it is a fact that we're hemorrhaging cash, but at the same time, it's a fact that somebody's plugging that gap. Riley, it must have taken a lot of balls for him to actually, you know, he's not been chairman for a long time, and he's coming out there and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's asking for help. It must have taken a lot of guts. To do that, 
think so. I think I, knowing the guys and all his guys, he's a fan, and I think he sort of he said that on the, in the interview. He's, he's a fan. He's, he knows where his strengths lie. He knows where Scott Garner's strengths lie, and yeah, I think it was refreshing. I mean, I'd rather he was honest and tells the truth than there's a lot of bullshit about money that's not there. So no, that's off to him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, whether or not um, they can attract enough investment and the building infrastructure that will provide some sort of real stability to build on is just really hard because that's, that's been a massive challenge for clubs in the championship and below for years and years and years. But one thing I like about it is that he is so honest and open about it. It removes the opportunity for supporters to kind of go, oh, well, what are the board doing? The board never communicate to us. They don't do this. They don't do yeah. that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think one or two things, you know, there have been one or two commercial things that I, I felt have maybe not been aimed at the ordinary fan recently. But you can see they're out there. They're trying to do as much as they can, and they're being very transparent. But I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think one thing to maybe kind of tie it back to the um, <clears throat> statements um, of the last what week or so is that even if you've read them, and to be honest, I'll hold my hand up and say that yeah, I kind of looked at them a little bit with my kind of you know uh, through my fingers. Um, is that even if you came out of the last week thinking I'm not a big fan of Scott Gardner um, and potentially Ross Morris in the back of it, what you need to remember is that if it hadn't been for their efforts, we might not have a club at this point because they were open and honest about saying, look, we, we need money. We need a lot of money to get us to the end of the season. <clears throat> and to be fair, between the two of them, they went and did it. So I think you've got to say massive respect to them for that. If we didn't get the begging bowl out, it's not a nice thing to <clears throat> have to admit you're struggling. Um, but if they hadn't done it, if they hadn't been upfront and honest, we might not be, we might not have a club at this point. You know, we might be going through kind of like administration or something. It was, you know, it was really that kind of um, bad for us, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know, what, well, what else can he really do? Um, I did notice that um, a few weeks back, there was a, a chairman of another club who had a little slide dig at Inverness by kind of talking about, you know, we're not going to go and get the begging bowls out to, to ask for can help I suggest, Can I suggest that that was Uncle Roy? <clears throat> um, I'm not going to name names, but... Um, <laughs> But obviously, he, he conveniently forgot that, um, you know, that club had begging bowls out not too long ago to save that club. And obviously, they benefit significantly from, you know, write-offs every single season that are sometimes double what our losses are. Now, you know, if you've got it, fair play. But I think kind of getting all kind of sanctimonious about other clubs' financial situations when you're the team you're kind of um, overlooking is uh, much, much worse is um, quite pious, to be perfectly honest. I think a lot of clubs have an arrogance about finances, and again, it's refreshing to hear that because that say club are certainly arrogant about all their finances. They certainly are. Um, let's just finish off a section. He talked about becoming chairman. He uh, has, has good knowledge and experience of what the previous chairman have done, uh, what they've done well, what they've not done well. But have you ever heard a chairman speak so emotively about their job before? You know, certainly a Cali Thistle chairman, Ross. No, that that was that was really nice. That was that was actually quite inspiring. That part of it, um, and to hear the the references to the past and to our history and pre-merger history and everything. So that that I think that's really encouraging in the long term. If he's committed and if he's got that love for the club, you know that that's something we can definitely uh, feel encouraged by. No, I agree with Ross says earlier. I haven't spent time with him, and that famous Dana Bro Smoth that you were there as well, and um, he showed his tattoo. He's a fan, he cares, and I don't, I don't think it's the front he's putting on. He's an honest fan, and yeah, I've, I've never heard a chairman speak like that for a long time. Yeah, it is, yeah, quite, it is quite inspiring, actually, Andrew. Why, isn't it? Yeah, no, when Ross said that, that was exactly the word that came to mind when I was listening to it as well. I don't think there's a single fan that could listen to that and not go, no, he is absolutely one of us. He absolutely cares about that. You know, when he talked about... Um, 
supporting the club and it was the next best thing for playing and all that sort of stuff. It was just really, you know, it just really made you warm to the guy and also kind of feel warm towards the club. Yeah. Right. Um, I saw on Twitter that uh, the newspaper that uh, printed these scurrilous stories are still doing that stupid hotline thing. What a load of pish. Who wants to listen to what a bunch of opinionated fans have got to say anyway? Uh, right, coming up next, part two of an interview with the chairman uh, where he talks about the practicalities of dealing with COVID-19, virtual games, budgets and what player he'd love to have on his back. Coming up. For McDonald, up the castle, Inverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Judas City, Parliament Park, the Library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Music Centre, Matalan. Right, going forward, um, in the worst case scenario that football can't return in this calendar year, is the club in a position to withstand a financial hit? Albeit that yesterday the furlough scheme that was announced that that's going to be extended to October is that a real boost um, to finances and to the club? Is, is there is there still is there still danger? Well, you see, with the X factor, you don't know how long it's going to take. Um, the, on, in answer to your second question, the the furlough thing is tremendous. I mean, it's been a, fa- a fabulous boost for us because that was a real real worry when you've got contracted players and you've got to pay people. And somebody, the, the fairy godfather from, from Westminster comes up and says, we're going to give you 80%. It's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but never say never. And, and really, it depends how long it goes on for and depends on what the government... You see, the government, I, I don't know, but you know, let's, they're probably looking for a phased... Not everybody, not so many people will be on furlough uh, in July as they were in, in April. So they're, they're hopefully going to dip down. But, you know... Football is going to be one of the one of the last things that are going to kick off us to start. So you know we could be August, September, October. I just don't know. But and is it a worry? Of course, it's a worry. Okay, so football. See, football does come back in I don't know August, September, whenever. Um, and we cannot. The Scottish government say we cannot get fans into the ground. Are are, are you guys actively looking at um, like a virtual broadcasting type situation? Yeah, we actually discussed that today. Um, and we're going to have a look to see because we've got to we've got to, uh, to to work at all eventualities. So we're going to have to work out if if that's the case, we would have some sort of televised thing. But you've then got to work out what the broadcasting rights are as well about broad you know about televising. Do you, can you can you broadcast a game at Cali Stadium between three and quarter to five to let's say your 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 season ticket holders? Give them a password for to getting into it. Can you? Because Sky might have the rights to, to be able to do that, and you can allow, not allowed to do it. You're in a situation with, that we're in a state of flux. So it, it may happen, it may not. And it, but you've got to you've got to think how we're going to do it if it does come up that way. So yeah, the answer is we're having a look at it, but will it come up? I don't know. Would you look at a sort of virtual season ticket because some clubs are selling season tickets. Some clubs are not selling season tickets, so you know, all down to their own, um, all down to their own prerogative. But would you maybe look at a virtual season ticket whereby people could watch games online? Well, again, that, that's what we're going to look at doing just now. Is is we we're going to have to we're, we're looking at putting the season tickets out shortly, um, and with that, it depends. Then, if we are going to have closed door games, we will want to be prepared on how we're going to. How if we can broadcast them? How we're going to broadcast them, and who we're going to broadcast them to? Because you know the funnel money is fine enough, but 
the season ticket money is going to is you know is vitally important for us very shortly, and you know that's the and it's difficult for people as well because when the hell does it start? We know now. Well, we're pretty certain where we're going to be playing next season. We'll play in the championship, but when does that that season ticket start? Yeah, well, get, getting that money in from the gates. Um, you know, you've been to away games, you've been at cup finals and derbies. You watched us beating beating big teams. We were talking earlier about. I think you were in Romania as well, you know. Um, so you've seen you've seen that there is a support out there. You know, oh. It's not just that you know fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred we're getting at home games at the moment. Um, because it's dropped off, unfortunately, since in the last three seasons. How, how do we recapture that? How does the club recapture those, you know, 500 to 1,000 supporters? You know, I, I don't know. And that's why we've taken on Keith. And that's why we've got Scott there. Because they will have a better idea than I will. Because I build whiskey bonds and got pubs and a few X, Y and Zs. I'm no into the entertainment industry. Again, I'm, a, I, I'm an amateur. So that's why we employ people to go and do it. And I think they will do a better job than has maybe been done before, or they'll come up with new ideas. And it's also, I'm happy to, 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 to listen to anybody else who's got ideas about it. Um, anything at all. Was there a thought process whereby, you know, Robbo's going to have this budget for the Premiership, or Robbo will have this budget for the Championship? Was there a, was there a thought behind that? There was, there was discussions about it. Um, but, you know, Robbo's always looking at players all the time because we've got various scouts down south, got various scouts. We've got Scott stuff all over the place and he does his job extremely well. So, yes, there was, there was discussions, but we didn't get into it a huge amount at the present moment because, you know, it hasn't really been going on that long, this, this situation, as in it's been the furlough's been going for a long time, as in the, the, the lockdown's been going for a while. But... The, the possibility of leak construction has only been a few weeks, so we didn't really get into it. But we've just we're, we've we've budgeted to go into the um, the championship and not really budgeted very much to, to be in the SPL. So we've obviously we've lost a few players in the summer already. Guys are out of contract. Guys signed pre contracts. Do you know if Robbo's is he talking? Is he talking to potential signings already, or is it just is this is that just too far down the line? It's too far down the line at the present moment. But he's looking at people. He's always looking at people. Right, Ross, well, uh, you, if you've heard the other podcast, you know we do like quick-fire five, quick-fire questions, so we'll finish off with your quick-fire five, okay? Oh five, five questions, you know, straight away, quick answer. So, first one, <laughs> right, your, your favourite player of all time. If there's one Cali Thistle player... Bobby Man. Well, there you go. Bobby Man. I was going to ask Bobby you. Bobby Man. Uh, you, do, you, do, you, do you want to get me to finish the question? Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, big, big one, this one. <laughs> if, there's one if there's one player you could get a tattoo of, who would you <laughs> <laughs> have I got room? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Man it is Bobby Man all over the back. Okay. Oh God. Um, what was what's the what's the outstanding game that you remember? What's the one game that always stays in your memory for you? I think the earliest tremendous game was the was the four three against uh, Air United when we were three 0 down at half time, and uh, we came back to beat them four three. I think either that one or the the Hearts game that we won on penalties. That was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Best Tears in my eyes, I mean. Best away ground? What's your favourite ground to visit? Um, quite like Tannadice, because it's near. Or our broth is good as well. Quite like it. Best pub that isn't your own? Smoo Cave, Durness. Ah, I love, love Durness. That's where the family's from Durness. Uh, and last one, your best moment as the chairman so far? Do you know, just 
just becoming the chairman was the best moment. It, honestly, it, I actually pinch myself sometimes to think I am the I am the chairman of ICTFC. It's a tremendous thing. It's tears in my eyes stuff and all that sort of nonsense. I get that way about this team. Our club, it's tremendous. I mean, they've got photos of me in the um, uh, at the at the end of the the cup final, and there's it's just me with my painted lip and tears just falling out. And the, so, my wife told me the most silent she's ever heard me is when they equalised. And I turned around and went, I'm never going to see my team win the Scottish Cup. <laughs> and I just sat there silently until the man put it in the back of the net. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 Phoenix Waters, love to love. King Exchange and Mambo's Hush. Heepies, Teepies, Johnny's, Riley's, Berkey's, Good night, that Bobby Munn bit there, wasn't it? <laughs> Is that, <laughs> that a deliberate, deliberate double entendre there, Mom? But it's right at this present time, you know, people are trying to come, come up with a vaccine for COVID-19, but what Ross Morrison and Scott Gardner have had to do is, you know, come up with some sort of remedy for our football club. Um, do you, you know, in terms of furloughing, reacting to COVID-19, do you think, AY, that we've let some contracts run down so that we maybe don't have to pay these players or anything? We've only got about seven or eight players left now, I think. It sounds cynical, but if you're trying to protect your club, then they possibly have done that, yeah. Um, obviously, he's not going to kind of say that sort of, you know, nakedly, but uh, I think the fact that, um, you know, Carlo has been told he can go, we've kind of heard rumours of other players being told they're not renewing, and... Ross said that Robbo is always on the lookout for players the whole time. You know, they probably are just getting to a situation knowing that they're going to have to rebuild somehow and just thinking, right, let's just, you know, get as many people off the wage, you know, uh, structure as we can and just see where we come. The other thing is that so many clubs are going to be in that situation as well, that a lot of us are starting from a very, very similar kind of um, base. So, yeah, I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's all dependent on which league we're going to be in as well. I'd imagine even pre-COVID-19, Although he never said he had a budget for the Premier League, they must have had some players in mind and targets they wanted should we go up. So they might, they might have been waiting to, to later in the season before they can decide on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm <clears throat> pretty cynical a lot of the time anyway. And even I kind of balk at the the, the notion that, um, you know, they deliberately let the players' contracts wind down to save a bit of money. I mean, we, we're in this situation a lot of the time every year. You know, we've the majority of our team is normally out of the contract at, at the end of any given season. Um, and it's just exacerbated this year by the fact we, up until recently, have had no idea what league we're going to be playing in. And now it's kind of compounded by the fact we don't even know when that league might start. We've, well, we've been letting contracts run down for years now and not, yeah. not making serious offers uh, into the second half of, of the season. Yeah. So th- that's been something we've been doing anyway. He does imply, I thought, in that part of the interview that we might be in a better financial situation than some other clubs in the league. You've got to imagine the likes of um, Morton and Queen of the South are now quite quite distant from us financially and the prize money from finishing second won't have done any harm in terms of bringing yes. new players in mm-hmm. and we'll talk about 75 grand or something yeah, isn't it for finishing second so yeah that's helpful <clears throat> so do you think robo you know do you think he was looking at players do you think he is looking at players you know him being the sort of guy that he is um pretty gregarious he must be talking to some free agents it sounds like it doesn't it really well, we've also got Shane coming in next season, obviously. That was done in January, wasn't it, Shane Sutherland? I'd imagine he's got... He must have a hit list of players that he wants, but whether 
the current situation allows that now, we'll never know, but at the moment... I, I, I guess, I guess he's, he's probably, as you say, he's probably got a list of players and he's probably sounding them out about whether they'd be interested and, you know, kind of saying, you know, maybe we can pick things up again in a few weeks or something, see how the land lies then. So you, I, I imagine he'll definitely be on the lookout for, for someone to come in. Um, in terms of bringing players in, you know how it's been since we came down. It's all very last minute. It's about the struggle to try to get people to come up to Inverness for what is pretty much like an average working wage, you know, to disrupt your family and, and move so far away. So inevitably, we're hanging on quite often for players that don't get a better offer in the central belt or even get the same offer in the central belt. Yeah. Um, what about season tickets, virtual games? Um, we talked a little bit with the chairman about, uh, you know, are we, we going to be doing this sort of Zoom meeting that we're doing at the moment, watching a live game in September or October? Do you think that's something that the club can create the infrastructure to actually broadcast? I think he touched on a little bit, didn't he, in terms of getting the right platform, whether Sky, and I don't think Sky's got a, a deal for the Championship, but whether Sky would object to that. I think the government, the government have already said that the sort of 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock blanket would be lifted for live football, so I think we're all right with that. But again, it's, it's getting the right sort of infrastructure and technology, though. It's all right saying it, but... When we've been watching those games on Facebook, they've been absolutely brilliant, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's been something to look forward to on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, I've noticed when it goes to about 350 viewers, it starts corrupting and getting a bit like pixelated. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of clubs that do actually broadcast their games already. I know. Uh, abroad, some, yeah. Yeah, some English teams allow people from abroad to watch the three o'clock kickoffs. I think a lot of Scottish teams do that. It's in Mirren's Hibs and stuff. They have these. Yeah, Aberdeen yeah, yeah. do it as well, I think, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I I I probably I'd probably go and buy a you know virtual season ticket to be honest, but that's because I've not got much else going on in my life. <laughs> um, but I just I just don't know about the practicalities of it actually working because I mean, I mean what, what's our average crowd about like eighteen hundred or something, and we're we're still losing money hand over fist. So you know I just I can't imagine we'd even get half of that half of those guys signing up to a virtual season ticket. Um, and, you know, given, as you said, that the club Facebook seems to struggle with, you know, a couple of hundred people watching um, a stream, you know, if you're going to kind of like quadruple that minimum, potentially, I don't know. I just, I, I just don't think the technology is really there for us, to be honest. And I think the amount of money we'd need to spend to make it an attractive option for fans would, you know, you know be far in excess of any revenue that we would generate. I think the league would have to do it, Andrew, rather than the clubs, I think. All the clubs <coughs> generally are pretty small, bar hearts in our league. They'd have to do one central sort of broadcaster for everyone. Yeah. <coughs> if we do it ourselves, we don't have the money or the infrastructure for that. So yeah. it'd be the, the league that looks after that one, I think. Right. Uh, well, um, Ross, you alluded to the work that Scott Gardner's done, and he talked about a new member of staff that I wasn't aware of before, Keith Haggart. Um, you think he's coming in as commercial manager. So have both these guys come in, do you think, Riley, so that crowds can go up and will they go up? I hope so. I, I think Keith's been brought in more to do a lot of the, the commercial activity also feel with the strips and maybe some events. I think Ross touched on a little bit in terms of getting the stadium busy on a Monday to Friday. I think maybe Keith's part of that, trying to get some local businesses in. But I don't think it's generally the worst crowds, but let's hope so. Let's hope he's got the, the magic wand that brings the crowds back. Yeah, I mean, one of our kind of, not problems, but the kind of blinkers that we have, I suppose, is that most of the people we talk to about the club are pretty committed supporters, you know, and are, are missing it and would go whenever they could, you know. We don't really know about that slightly wider sort of catchment area 
we don't know about how people are going to feel, even if it's declared safe, how they're going to feel about um, coming back into a sort of stadium situation, or whether in this sort of period they've actually discovered a whole new life of gardening or whatever, or Sudoku 24 hours a day or something. Oh, I feel I sorry for them. Right, uh, well, the only other thing that the chairman touched upon that we haven't talked about, well, we did, we, we mentioned it once, but we've not really looked at it in depth, is he does have a tattoo. He does have a tattoo of the club crest, a uh, detailed club crest on his, I think, his arm. Um, so, and he said if he could get a, a, play, a tattoo of any player, uh, who would it be? And it would be Bobby Mann. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, if you could get a tattoo of any player, what would it be, Riley? And where, no, <laughs> more pertinent question is, where would it be? I've got a big enough belly, I think. So Bobby would fit in my belly, no bother. But um, I'll just go with the theme of the pod, boys. I've got Avruni on the back, I think. Oh, I've got Sean there. You need, you need to give it up, mate. He's gone. I can't. It's, it's, still, it's still too early yet. I've got a couple of weeks left. Personal not far away. You can go there every Saturday instead. I might have to. Well, it's the only place you get free tickets anyway. <laughs> uh, well, mother, 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 they've got lined up, boys. We've got a few now. So. Sub, sub, you, you would surely be Barry Robson, wouldn't it? Uh, no, my, uh, former Inverness player would be Andy Shinney. Um, <laughs> and current one would probably be probably be James Keatons, I would say. Where, where would you get James Keatons? I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> He's quite, uh, quite short though, isn't he? So I know where it goes. <laughs> uh, yeah. EY, EY, who would you get, Rick? Uh, my all-time favourite player, Charlie Christie, and I'd have him on my shoulder like a little parrot. <laughs> well, he, sounds like, he sounds like one. Uh, Ross? I would have Ross Tokley on my ample breast. What, just nuzzling? Yes, just nuzzling. <laughs> Right, nice one. Um, coming up in the next section, it's our season preview. last on the players moth but don't yeah. don't don't start making cut uh, faces at me because I do have some stuff to say one, one, I'll one make other. cut faces at you if I want <laughs> there's a lot of things to be put in place before we actually have a season to look forward to again but the most important thing isn't the quality of pie uh, whether we can get a proper pint at the stadium or even what league we're in you don't have football without players and at first look we don't have any players uh, we've probably got about seven or I think eight first teamers leaving Rooney and White are off to St Johnston and Motherwell. Trafford's agent is taking time off selling sand to the Arabs, real Arabs, and punting him to a few Premier League sides. Uh, my money's on Hamilton or St Johnston. Um, St Johnston would be good for him, actually. They play no football. Mackay, Doran and Walsh are all out of contract. Uh, and friend of the pod, Carlo, isn't getting a new deal. Well, still in mourning over Tramarco's uh, departure. I think he's still doing a good job for us uh, in the championship. Um, but for potential new players, because we need them, I went for two defenders, not surprisingly, because we've none. So I went for an easy one first, Josh Meekins, um, obviously out of contract at Dundee. Could do a job in the Premier League, but could stroll the championship. I know he's had a few injury problems in the last couple of years, but he's coming back to fitness. He's still young, still got his best year ahead of him as a defender, so... I'd take Josh back. He's got ties to the city, so it might be an easy, easy one for us. And another defender is a left back. Now I know, looking at Harper coming through and maybe giving him more game time, but I, I like Daniel Harvey here, who's out of contract. 
used to be at Aberdeen. It's pretty young still. Good solid left back, and I think we need competition. We need, we need. Ideally, we need two players for every position, and I don't fancy McHatty at left back. So I'd look at Harvey as a potential left back for us. Um, I've got um, a couple of uh, younger signings. Um, I've got Nicky Cadden at Morton. Um, he's only, he only signed for them last summer. He was on loan at Air, of course, from Livingston, I think it was, um, season before, and he didn't. He, he, looked, he looked pacey, but didn't have too much of an end product um, with him. Uh, but but the, the, this year at Morton, he seems to have done really well. Um, he's bagged five goals, got nine assists, and and that that's in a uh, season kind of partially disrupted by injury. Um, and his importance to the team is is pretty obvious. Morton have won half the games that he's played in this season, and they pretty much lost any game that he's missed. Um, so given his good return um, for the team, um, given he's had to line up with some absolute dross. Um, in Greenock this season um, I think he could be a good possible replacement where, for where maybe he, Tom Walsh he, or, or he Doran he plays left midfield plays le- le- mainly left midfield well that's that's what we need I mean I think looking at the team we've um, although we've lost so many players we've, we've actually still got the makings of a half decent team we've got Richards and goals we need a right back and a left midfielder you've got Toshney McCarty and Harper defenders that are left Carson and Welsh in midfield although admittedly how many games does Welsh play um, Story on the right Keaton's um, just off Todorov, and then you've got to fit McGregor in somewhere. So yeah. you know, you know, there's not a lot of teams in the championship that have got you know that basis to work from. I think that's a really good basis. Yeah, it's decent. Um, I thought maybe still a little bit light up front, um, especially with with White uh, going in his pre-contract, rumored to be off to Motherwell, um, which seems pretty much a given. So I've gone for Kevin O'Hara. Um, striker at Alawa. Yeah. Um, I think this is like he was at Falkirk previously and he signed for Alawa last last summer I think it was um, he's got something like 10 or 11 goals I think in 20 odd games this season uh, he actually went in a weird run of form where he scored like three doubles three braces uh, in three games uh, um, sorry a brace in, in three games in a row sorry I'm saying in January including two against us I think it was in the Scottish Cup game I'm not too sure Um and from looking at some of the goals on, on YouTube, um, he, he seems to show really good movement um, in and around the box. He, he times his runs really well. M- most of his goals do seem to come from close range, from about kind of like, you know, a few yards out. He, he tends to like strike from around the six-yard box. So could be a possible Billy Mackay type player. Um, he's barely missed a minute of Aloha's season. Um, so he doesn't seem to suffer too much injury problems. Um, and he does seem quite open to moving on. I think when he got asked by the local paper, the Alwa Advertiser, um, after he won their Player of the Year award, um, whether he would um, stay with the club or go. He said, I'm open to staying or going. <laughs> so okay, he's not exactly committed yeah, to the cause. No, really. I, mentioned, I mentioned earlier, I was speaking to an Alwa fan. Um, yeah, most of their players, you know, they're all part, well, they're all part-time. <coughs> uh, most of them have got jobs, so they're not really looking to move anywhere. Yeah. He, he is actively looking to move from part-time to full-time. Yeah, the, 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 the only potential negative about him is he's got a bit of a, a, a BAM history about him. He was one of the two Falkirk players who were uh, banned for a few games after they abused Dean Shields for only having one eye. So, um, yeah, maybe that's what we need, though. You know, someone to really kind of BAM up the opposition. Right, has anybody got a midfielder? I sort of do. Um, I was also kind of going down the Alawa route, um, but I was w- wanting someone a bit more experienced. And Alan Trenton, who I've been talking about all season, actually had an excellent game in midfield against us in the 2-0 game earlier in the season, when, or actually just towards the end of the curtailed season, uh, when O'Hara played really well ahead of him. Trenton showed that he could be a really good creative player in midfield. He might be a little bit too similar to Keatings, 
but I could actually see him playing it in behind Keatings and alongside Carson, especially if, you know, Sean Welsh, we'd love to have him in there for the whole season, but will we actually have him for for the whole season? I don't know. How old's Trouton Andrews? You know, I think he's probably about 30 odds, so he's not he's young. He's 32, but... I think, or something. No, he's yeah. 33, 34. He's older. Cause I, I was going to throw Bobby Lynn in there as a, a shirt yeah. friend, but he's a, part, he's a part-time player. He's a bin man. And he's 34. This, and is, he's a, not this is the problem. I mean, these guys are really good players, but... Um, yeah, not going to move. Yeah, they're, they're, they're part-time, and if you've got a yeah. good, you know, half-decent job... Um, you know, I was actually looking at Ian Flanagan, who plays holding midfield good player. for yeah. Alloa. He's an absolutely brilliant player. He's like a, he's like a pure low. You know, any time I've seen him this past season, he's been phenomenal. He strokes the ball around, and I, I think that he'd be a good, phenomenal signing for us. But the problem is he's got a really good job, uh, and he just wants to play part-time football. So, also, we also need a reserve goalkeeper who could be my friend Neil Farry and Neil, Neil Parry, the big fat bastard he is. Um, I've got a right back for you, Moth. By the way, you'll like him. Go on then. Okay, so we all agree that we need an experienced defender. Yeah, with Carlos going. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a comedy. To like and we need some. No, don't, don't be daft. And we need someone who can play right back with Sean going. Um, someone with composure and a calm head. You know, club and huge upheaval. Someone who's already developed an excellent rapport with the ICT supporters. Oh yes, contact no, Van Rar came to an end this season. I think Janie Hamill is the player that we need to show up our defence. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that that guy who plays for Kilmarnock and bat, battered Derek Adams to the floor? And, and uh, Hart, he did that when he was at Hearts. Did that when he was uh, at Hearts. He waved his balls at some from the touchline at Hearts. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is an absolute. He is an absolute weapon of a man. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Greg Carnsey Greg didn't really speak very highly of him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But, um, what, what, what about Penrace? Small. Do you like Penrace up at Inverness? He's a left back. <laughs> Alright, that segues into where I'm going. So I was, I was slow to get into this, and I thought we were limited to out of contract championship players. So I looked through the dregs that I was left with of that. That's exactly uh, what Robles did. That's exactly what Robles did. Probably is. I, I took a scientific approach. I looked at the players who had a good few, like fairly young, good few championship games under their belts, and hadn't disgraced themselves in any way, which ruled out quite a few of them. Um, and one I came up with was a left back who is Tommy Robson, um, can play right up the left side, looked good in the Falkirk team that went down, and I assume that's why he didn't go down with them. He struggled to get into the park team because of your man Penrice, but he had actually forced his way in just before the season was uh, curtailed. Um, so he's an option. He's only 24. Uh, he also has a really nice ginger beard, and we've already established that there's a now a large, nice ginger beard-shaped hole in our back four uh, uh-huh. filled. Uh, so, <laughs> other names that came up through through my my methodology were uh, Lee Ashcroft, uh, Christy Elliott, and oh. Tom Beedling. But uh, I couldn't be arsed looking into their merits. What was the first one there? Lee Ashcroft, Lee Ashcroft. Of I, oh, I, anyway. I had I had him down on my list. Yeah. So I, I didn't. I think he'd be a good um, good sign, and he wouldn't cost a lot, He wouldn't have a lot of wages. But yeah. my my second choice is. A fitness coach or sports scientist, just any fucking fitness coach or sports scientist. Um, there must be one of them out of contract in the championship because some of the stuff Polly said in his interview was quite shocking. Uh, I mean, the GPS thing, we don't track our players with GPS. You know, you can see around you now during lockdown, every fat fuck that's running around the park has GPS strapped him. He's, Riley's, <laughs> for, for the benefit of listeners, Riley's waving. And I, bought, I, bought, I bought an Apple Watch, so yeah, I'm not fat. <laughs> so there, and he's, you know, you'll be motivated the next day to do better than you did the previous day. I found that absolutely astounding that we're not tracking our players with GPS. And the other thing was the gym. 
Well, he didn't go to the gym when he was with Cali, but he does now with Motherwell. I, I find that really surprising. There wasn't somebody making him go to the gym. Uh, I think the team now, Ross, go to that. You know the studio, that new gym, it's in Inverness. They go, they go there now, but I don't know if it's a, a part-time set-up, but you see, DW was the other one of choice back in the day, but I mean, you're, you're right, Paul, though. Paulie was superb for us, but if he'd been a bit bulkier and if he'd been motivated to do more running, he would have been even better. So, so yeah, a fitness coach. Just as an aside... Just as an aside, having done the Polly interview and you know got we got some really good feedback from it and people online seemed to be enjoying it, and he came across as you know he came across completely different from what you thought he was going to be like. Yeah, you know, could, could you see him coming back to Cali Thistle in years to come and potentially being treated a bit differently and maybe even given the captain's armband? Depends where he goes next. I, th- I think he can go up a level. I think Championship in England's probably mm-hmm. good level. I mean, for yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Portsmouth are a big team. I know they're league. Was it, was, it, was it Portsmouth or was it Birmingham? I thought it was. Oh, maybe it was Portsmouth. Sorry, Portsmouth. But they're a massive club, and obviously they're underachieving down there. But yeah. all depend. That I'd, I'd I'd like to see the Christies and the the Polworths come back down the line, but you never know. Well, that brings me on nicely to uh, some players. I'm going to chuck at you, and I want you to give me your opinion on them. Are these going to be good signings for us? Here we go. He's out of contract at Celtic. It's a return of Johnny Hayes. Yep, in a heartbeat. Yeah, obviously, that'll be an amazing signing. Never going to happen. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd love that. He's guaranteed to go to Aberdeen, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Hibs, I think. Guaranteed to go to Hibs. He's a just, I mean, what a phenomenal player. He wasted it silly playing left back. Just. He's versatile, though. I mean, he's, he's, he's all right at left back. He's done a good job there. Imagine we had Hayes and Rooney in this, in this league. That's how we tore it up <laughs> with it towards the end. I see, Rooney actually went from Salford to. Oh, where did he go? Solly Hill Motors. Solly Hill. He went to Solly Hill, yes. Just wondering, what wages are they offering? They offering more than Aberdeen. More than we're offering. So, uh, well, more than Aberdeen, that's why. Salford, we've run three grand out at Salford, so... Right, here's another, um, talking about Adam Rooney, let's talk about another ex-Cali Thistle striker. George Oakley is out of contract. Yeah. I don't well, know, actually. He, he wasn't prolific the first time around, was he? He wasn't prolific, but I think he improved as a player, and I think yeah, he fits. He does fit the template that Robbo goes for. If Todorov isn't going to kind of make a, um, you know, to make that position as own, then I wouldn't be that surprised if we were looking at Oakley again. I just I don't want another season. I know I've extolled the virtues of Jordan White earlier on. I don't want another season with a striker that doesn't score goals. You're going to get it though because that's what the, the template yeah. that Robo's got is that's what's been successful for us, you know. Albeit we've had a team like County or Dundee United who overspend everyone else, so they win the league. But with the template that Robo has, it works. Next one, uh, a, a guy who's out of contract at a Premiership club but has done the business in the Championship, Chris Erskine at uh, Livingston, used to play for Park Thistle. Does anybody remember him? I'd love him, but he's, he's, at, he's that age again, though. I think he's maybe mid 30s now. and yeah. Geographically, would he move up? But he's biggest signing at that level. What about obviously our players are out of contract? They go to county. County players are out of contract. They don't tend to come to us. Out of contract with county is Sean Kelly uh, and Declan McManus. He's got an opinion on them. Kelly, no, um, he's rubbish. Um, but McManus, <laughs> though, he he wasn't that good for Ross County, but he's torn it up with Falkirk in uh, League One, though, hasn't he? He's been banging the goals in for Falkirk, so you know maybe he can continue that form with us. Um, I, would, I, I would imagine though he'll end up signing for Falkirk. To be honest, he's done well with Morton as well, McManus. Yeah. So maybe that's his level. Yeah. I was going to say, how was he with Morton? Was he good with Morton? He was, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was Aberdeen's a kid, wasn't he? And got loaned to yeah, Morton. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> 
What about, uh, obviously, we've got two central midfielders in the squad at the moment. That's all we've got. Normally, we play three central midfielders. Um, we've got well, three, have we not? Trafford's out of contract. Trafford's gone. Trafford is gone. Trafford is gone. You can forget about him. You've never got to watch him again. Um, <laughs> so, in midfield, we've got Carson and we've got Welsh. And Welsh is not going to play a lot. So, we need someone who's a bit of a workhorse. I'm going to put it out there and suggest Ross Callahan, who's just been let go by St Johnston and who played for Hearts and previous to that was captain of Wraith Rovers. Has anybody seen him? No. <laughs> average at best, Moff, I think. Yeah, he is average at best, uh, but he might be a good, a good option for us. Well, what, about, what about Anthony McDonald? Do the loan route again? Someone that's been decent for us in the past, who's not going to get a game at Hearts next season. I know we're in the same league as him, but... We're bringing, we're bringing McGregor through now. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think you find a place for... I think we need to prioritise, as Moff says, that dig in centre midfield. And, and you've been talking... In the WhatsApp group, you've been talking up Carson this week. I don't want to be relying on Carson to be that player. Now, he's got potential. But he's, we the could energy. Do... he's the energy. He's the energy. He improved, he improved towards the end of the season. He did, but he's got some way to go. I think we do need a good, experienced, solid engine in the centre of the park. Right, any more for any more? Uh, I've got a couple of suggestions, actually. And, and we've, we've mentioned in the pod, and you will laugh. Danny Devine. Oh, cut that yeah, out. Two words. <laughs> is... two words for you. Two words for you, Andrew. Fuck and off. Is Danny, is Danny Devine any worse than the centre backs we've got in the team just now? Yes. And also, I know he's worse he's, than Kevin McCarthy. No, no, he's not. No, yes, he's not. he is. Um, well, no, he's, sorry, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Um, but as much as it's uh, hilarious to see his mistakes cost um, cost his team goals, especially against us, I don't. <laughs> given the budget that Robbo's going to have to work with, I think Danny Devine, unfortunately, is a kind of defender we might very well end up looking at. But on a more positive note, um, what about the guy uh, Scott Banks that was at Dundee United? He's at Crystal Palace now. Oh. He was on loan at Aloha earlier in the season. He's only 18. No. Whether, um, I can't imagine he's going to be breaking into the Crystal Palace first team anytime mm-hmm. soon. I wonder sure. if maybe um, a loan move for someone like him could be quite good. That boy absolutely tore us apart. Did, I, yes. I assume that the deal that he had probably involved him training a lot still with <laughs> Palace, whatever, and coming up for games. Yeah. I mean, that boy looked like he was going to bigger things. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, I don't think he's out of contract or anything like that, but I just thought maybe a, a completely um, uh, overly optimistic suggestion for a signing for next season. We've, uh, we've, we've, we've looked at all the, um, the players that, we might, that might be donning uh, the Cali Thistle Strip, which we'll talk about next season. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the league opposition. So after talks of 14-team leagues, 16-team leagues, splitting and spitting and recriminations, we have the same prospect as we had this season, a team is set a league with seven teams of I think relatively equal resources, two part-time sides, and a team who are going to scoosh, as the current parlance is, the league. So let's talk about that team, Hearts. They've got twelve players at a contract. Uh, having looked at that list, I've only ever heard of three of them, which leaves them, which still leaves them with I think about thirty signed players plus their youth team. Uh, just underlines what a massive infrastructure that Hearts have got as a club. It's not like when United came down. And they were a basket case on and off the pitch. Um, Hearts have just had, you know, awful managers, awful tactics, and awful players. But the level of club they are, you know, they're going to absolutely just annihilate this league, are they not? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, Dun- you say that about Dundee United. Dundee United did come down with a lot of resources, and they did they did chuck them around, and it's taken them three years. Teams come down when a team of that size comes down. It, it tells you that there's problems at the club. 
beyond you know what what their financial situation is you get clubs that are just in decline and and can't arrest it um, look look at Falkirk when Falkirk went down with you know probably the third highest resources in the league um, and I, I think Hearts could easily you know the momentum the momentum that's taken them down could easily mean that they have a very bad start to the season that would be our, our best hope I'm looking forward to having them down I absolutely despise them and I love going there um, so I'm, they're going to be great away days and hopefully we get them at Tynecastle first game of the season while they're still greeting about being relegated and we do them Let's talk about Wraith Rovers. It was a long time since I was in Kirkcaldy. Um, it's a, a great ground, a good town. They've got really decent clubs. Did. But they've got, yeah, they've got, they've got John Baird. We've got James Keaton. They've got Joe Mackets. And we've got something much superior. Uh, and they fixated on the Coca-Cola Cup from 25 years ago. Whereas, you know, we've won the big cup, the proper cup. So I would suggest that they are an inferior club to us in every way. I think one of the things about them is that... Um, even if they've got players at a contract, um, a lot of those players, because they're moving up a league, a lot of them will be happy to be retained. They'll feel like they've got something to prove. So they'll probably be happy enough to uh, retain. Um, they'll come up with that stability. If you look at the last three seasons, Livy come up and do well, Air come up and do well, our growth come up and do well. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is because they're coming into a league where the existing clubs are permanently sort of in flux. I wouldn't be surprised if Braithovers come up and go straight into the top half anyway. Um, right. Um, we're not going to fixate much on um, the other clubs in the league but I will mention I will give two dishonourable mentions for two of the clubs um, say what you want Dunfermline 12 players out of contract a manager that still hasn't induced much, induced much faith with the supporters uh, but other than that a really really well organised club run with morals truth honesty justice and liberty from all, for all Riley isn't it? It's not, it's not my favourite um club in the mix at the moment, uh, the Pars, but uh, yeah, it's a good away day and uh, yeah, I look forward to being a fly in the wall if the uh, board of directors get together in the bar beforehand for a square go. We certainly will. Uh, another club who've uh, been absolutely annihilating us in the press, Morton, uh, 18 players out of contract. The only predictable thing about Morton every, every season is their insignificance, I would suggest, Ross. Well, that's harsh. I like I like Martin. I love Capilo. Well, it's a good away. It's a good away day. But as a club, they've done nothing in twenty five years. That makes me sad. Um, I, I mean, Dunfermline. I can I can feel I can feel the harshness for Dunfermline. I hope they go down. But Martin, there's just there's just something a bit cuddly about Martin. I don't want to be nasty about them. Yeah, I'm kind of fond of Martin as well. Actually, I think it's because I like Capilo. You know, it's. Uh, Dunfermline are all right, but Dunfermline will just be inconsistent pish you know, until they get rid of Crawford, because that's basically what they are. You know, that's they've epitomised it. You know, that would be the dictionary definition of the phrase inconsistent pish. You know, if you looked at it, you know, just you know, win three games and they all start, you know, raving about how great they are and then they lose four, you know. So, so Moff, if we're looking if we're looking for a, a new rivalry to come out of the schism, then I think we've all co- cohered around Dunfermline here. We're gonna mm-hmm. go there and give Absolutely. them pillars. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think Dunfermline's the obvious one, but I think Morton have behaved abhorrently as well. Uh, and I think they're, you know, the people that run that football club might even be apologetic of the way that they've, um, the way that they've behaved. Dave McInnes in Arsenal, or he's always been in Arsenal. I remember him as a player. And he's well, I was a Rangers player, wasn't he? So there you go. Uh, Do you think right. Lionel Messi could not fuck out of Sammy de Tammy? <laughs> right, I'm just going to finish the section on that. <laughs> <laughs>
can we just do a just do a massive pause? I people, like it. people want to listen to listen to. People are bored. It's lockdown. It's lockdown. Exactly. Right, whether you're interested in the sartorial elegance adopted by our players when they strut onto the pitch, whether you have fond memories of Grass of Bennett hooking his shorts up or baggy shirt tails flopping at the back of Martin Glancy's clap calves. Fuck! <laughs> right, Martin <laughs> Glancy's crack. Ah, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it in, that's a pod title. <laughs> <laughs> or whether you Alright, fair enough. Or whether you've got as much interest in clothes as Gary Warren. <laughs> there you go, that was a build up for that. <laughs> uh, we're talking kits. Uh, and we did talk kits, and we talked kits with the chairman. Here you go. There's a mention in one of the latest latest statements about new technical technical partner. What can you say? Is it stripes? When's it out? Give us some hope. Um, I think it looks great. It's, uh, Scott's organised this again from his contacts and he was near, he, there's, they did a photo shoot um, with strips and, but they had to do it, you know, with, so they've got four players, but they've done them in, so they've, they've done them individually, but put them all together because it's this social distancing. And <coughs> Scotty was nearly in tears. He was so happy with it. Oh, mate, mate, it looks brilliant. It looks fabulous. It looks brilliant. But he yeah. says, I'm not going to send it to anybody because you might leak it, and I don't want you being blamed for leaking it. It's that good looking. <laughs> so I can assure you, we've got some great strips coming, and so a great, a great name as well. And the whole one looks tremendous. It's um, it's got lots of red and it's got lots of blue in it, and it's got a bit of black too. Great. So what are we thinking, lads? I'm thinking that we are going to have an exclusive from Riley. We do. We have probably one of the premier uh, German sports manufacturers taking our shirts for the next season and, and the foreseeable. So it's going to be Puma, who are taking over from Area. I'm sure you'll be delighted with that, Moth. But as someone, as well, I know Sub will testify, when I get a shirt, it turns into a bib tube because they're made for the smaller man. <laughs> so I think Area's sizing had me the 4XL, which is scandalous. It's not far <laughs> off the mark. So hopefully Puma can... Uh, Make some realistic sizing for the the more wider body gentlemen such as myself. <laughs> it is uh, it is room. The, the chairman didn't tell us this, by the way. He was keeping stoom. He never actually mentioned who it was. But we've seen rumours on uh, social media that we so we think it is Puma. Um, but if it is, you know that it's a phenomenal cue for the club. I've got to say, there's not many clubs in Scotland. I mean, I, I, um, mm-hmm. and they do some fantastic designs. They're actually doing. Milan, they do Man City, they've got Borussia Dortmund at the moment, uh, and some of the designs for them are, are absolutely beautiful. So if uh, the chairman and Scott Garner think what they've got is, 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 is wonderful, then, you know, really looking forward to it, I've got to say. Riley, I've heard that the away shirt's going to be pink. So have I, and uh, well, we all look pretty in pink, don't we? <laughs> where did you, you hear that from? I uh, can't, can't reveal my sources. All right, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, let's move on. We're going to move on to Nightmare 11, the return of Nightmare 11. A nightmare, also called a bad dream, is, a, is an unpleasant dream that can cause a strong emotional response from the mind, typically fear, but also despair, anxiety, and great sadness. Which brings me to married man Ross McKenzie. Um, I'm not actually married. I'm living in sin. Um, 
unhappily living in sin. So uh, both Polly and Carlo mentioned in their interviews the horrific start to the 2017-18 campaign and quite the number of the signings that Robbo brought in for our first season back down the second tier are legitimate Nightmare 11 candidates. I'm thinking Alex Cooper. Um, I'm thinking Matthew Elsden, uh, Zach Elbuzedi, Colin Seedorf, and of course uh, Big Big Bling himself, Susan. <laughs> but today, um, I'm going to add John Baird to our already top heavy side. Uh, we could maybe we could maybe stick him out wide as Robbo did on occasion. Um, he was at least a willing runner, if absolutely nothing else. Um, on on paper, actually. John Baird had a better pedigree than the other names I just mentioned. He'd, he'd been at a lot of clubs. He'd spent a couple of seasons up in the Premier with uh, Dundee, where he played a lot, and Partick, where he played less. So having not quite made it up there, he dropped back down to the Championship. And just when he joined us, it was off the back of a pretty prolific spell in a decent Falkirk team. Um, he was about to turn 31 when he joined us. He went on to start eight out of our first nine league games, by which point we'd picked up five points and sat ninth in the table. Um, to be fair to him, he stayed in the team after that as we ground out the clean sheets that eventually served as a platform for the playoff push. But by the time we made that playoff push, uh, Baird had huffed off on loan to Morton, having lost his place to George Oakley shortly after Christmas. And you could see um, in that period before Christmas, even as the team around him improved, he was getting increasingly frustrated by his inability to score I don't know if maybe you boys later on can, if if if, if you are aware of any stories around how he left and why he left, because it was quite an unusual thing to go off. You know, he'd started almost every game, and then to go off on loan to a rival. Um, just a wee a wee personal memory of John Baird on the twenty third of December at Capilo, uh, where I'd taken the kids as a Christmas treat. Um, he got involved in a scrap <laughs> what, with Jai. What, what, what a great father that he are. <laughs> He got involved in a scrap with Jai Tongo quite early on in the game while we were uh, defending a set piece. And Baird got booked and he clearly felt that like Tongo bought it and spent the next five minutes careering around looking for afters with him. Um, he'd, he'd completely lost his head. Think, Remember later on in the season, Mulraney did that at Falkirk um, and did get sent off. And then last season, Macaulay did the same thing at Dunfermline and he got hooked before before he could be sent off. So I was absolutely screaming for Baird to be hooked before he got sent off because he was just he was just looking for Katongo to, to, to have a go at him and he'd just been booked for the same thing. And I, I wasn't abusive, but I was persistently demanding that Baird be hooked. Um, I, was, I, I was surprised that he heard me. Did, you, did, sitting, you, did you tell your kids to do that as well? I was sitting, no, my kids were, were quite quiet. I mean, I, I was sitting, that we were sat right at the back of the stand in Capilo towards the halfway line to keep my kids away from certain elements in our away support. Um, but anyway, <laughs> could you, eventually... Could you, could, you, could you name the elements? Eventually... Uh, They're on this pod. I, I think we know. I think we know. Um, so eventually uh, Baird, I don't know if we, he, there was a break in play or if it was a throw-in, but he came over to the sideline and started giving it back. So there was a wee bit of, there was a wee bit of back and forth between us. And uh, as that was happening, I spotted uh, directly in front of me, in the row in front of me, in that tight wee capulo stand, this wee boy tugging on his mum's sleeve saying, Mummy, what's Daddy doing? Um, and it was at that moment that I realised I was sitting right behind Mummy Baird Granny Baird, and of course, uh, Baby Baird, who by this point were all, all shooting me daggers. Uh, so I, I, feel, I feel slightly bad about putting Baird in his team, not, not just because of that incident, but he wasn't the worst player in that team. But what, what was truly nightmarish about John Baird 
was he, he epitomised the hopelessness that we all felt throughout the first half of that season. Um, here's a guy who did a career well below the standard of what we'd been watching over the past decade at least, and we got him on his way down. You know, he wouldn't have got into any other Cali team in this century, even at his peak. You know, at least at least with Connor Bell, you could kid yourself into believing he was going to get better. But uh, John Baird was just this constant reminder of how far and how quickly our star had fallen. Um, his stats from the ever unreliable Cali Thistle Online stats page are played 24, <laughs> scored four. I think one of them was good. Sav, do you remember John Baird scoring a good goal? There was one. No. I was going to say, I, no, no, I remember he scored a goal against um, Forfra in the, in, the old, in the League Cup group stages. And like, because he right. used to play for, was it Montrose and Brechin? He was getting a lot of abuse off like the Forfra fans. And I think they'd be calling him fat or something. So when he did score a goal, he ran up and kind of lifted up his shirt and just started like kind of pieing his um, half six pack, half pot belly. So I've seen it. I mean, that one, boys, is he forgot where the away fans were standing. So he actually showed it to away fans rather than the home fans. So he went to the corner and showed us his belly and patted it like some big raving ape. So yeah, that was fun. But he was Robbo's marquee signing, if you remember. He was signed pretty early I'm sure some of the Keatons, he was announced maybe. June time, really early on in the preseason, and he was the marquee signing that year. I, we heard a lot in the interviews as well, and it's been mentioned a lot. Or Robbo didn't have time to bring in players. He was. I looked back. He, Robbo was appointed on the fourteenth of June. You know, he did have time. He just signed no, he utter shite. We, we talked about this previously. I think he, he he took a bit of time to get accustomed to the league to understand what sort of players he needed, and mm-hmm. you know those those majority of the signings in that first season. You know, completely, YouTube signings. Susan, yeah, they're, they're completely at odds with the signings that he's then made in the in the next two seasons. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Every signing he's made since then has, has been predominantly, you know, ninety percent of it, been really good. But you talked about, you know, what happened with John Beard. I don't know where I heard it from, but um, apparently, why he was sent out on loan was that he, I think, Robbo criticised him in a team talk in the changing room, and uh, he basically called Robbo out on it. Mm-hmm. So he criticised Robbo. I think, Pro- probably pretty vociferously yeah. right. in, front, in front of all the players and then Robbo was just like I'm not having that and they just booted him yeah, yeah I, 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 that's why there seems to be a bit of chat yeah basically a falling out with the manager or something I used to it was during the course of a game as well it was like half time or something so um, yeah managers can't really have their authority questioned uh, like that so as soon as that happened I think he was kind of like off to the glue factory with him really so he's the latest addition to the Nightmare 11 John Beard well done, John. What's the crap like? That's us for now. We've got some more interview specials planned, but if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, Hit us up if you've enjoyed these lockdown specials, then let us know. We don't tend to get a lot of feedback, but any is appreciated. We're going to have some polls coming out uh, in the next week or so about um, shuffle player of the year, shuffle goal of the season. Um, so get involved in that. But other than that, it's goodbye from them. Bye. Bye. See ya. Goodbye from me. Take care. Stay safe. Bye for now. But there's someone more important who should probably have the last word on this pod. Cue the chairman.
Ross, what you know? What's your dream vision for the club? Where would you like to see us? You know, on the field and off the field in ten years' time. I think. Well, in ten years' time, I think the the what we have to be is more is is self sufficient from income other than uh, football derived income. We have to we have to use what we've got an awful lot more because football is a is a difficult game to make money off, and we need to have more security. Um, of income coming, whether we're in the championship or the SPL, I would love to see us back to the, the sort of 2014, 2015 days. That would be tremendous, and we'll we'll get back there. But a financial foundation is so important for a for a football club because you you have to have that that certainty of that's what you're going to make. You don't want to have that lying awake at night thinking, well, what we're going to do in two or three months' time. You're going to have another EGM. We don't want to be there. It's a horrible, horrible situation. So before we finish, um, what's what's your final message for all the, the Cali Thistle fans listening? Come out and support your team. We need you. We need you more now than we ever did, I think, um, with this. Um, we've, we, we're, we're a, the board, Scott, everybody there, we're 100% for, for ICTFC. Me, probably more. I get a wee bit vocal. In fact, I, I've got to be told to shut up now again. I, and it's, <laughs> the other board members say, "What's in? Um, you're, you're just wear your heart in your sleeve sometimes." And but I, I don't think you can be too passionate about your football club. We have to be more passionate about Cali Thistle. We have to get more people involved. We need more crack. Um, get more people in the turnstiles. We're a great team. We're a great site. We've got a great stadium. Everything's going for us. Great manager. We're tremendous, but we need more guys, more ladies um, supporting us. And we'll definitely get there. It's my ambition to get us back up there. It's my ambition to get us 100% self-sufficient in income. We have to be sufficient in income. That's what I want us to be. I want us to be safe and I want us to be up in the SPL. Yeah.